excuse me, good afternoon, or good morning. I did that again. I don't know. That's reverting back a couple of years. Good morning, everyone. Uh, for those who are uh, guests, my name is Tim Shorey. I'm one of the pastors here, <clears throat> and my voice is giving out for some reason. Hopefully, God helping, we'll get through here. Uh, but it's good to have you, and it's good to be able to worship together. And uh, I just want to mention a couple of things before we, uh, or as we open up God's Word, you'll want to be turning in your Bible to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and as you're uh, turning there, <clears throat> let me mention just a, a couple of things that uh, would be good for you to have on your radar and in your calendar. Uh, uh, we have been given a couple of hundred really nice chairs uh, that are needed throughout the building here. Uh, church, one of our sister churches in New Jersey has, get, is giving us these chairs and we need help getting them and uh, uh, delivering them here. The hope is to do that on October 2nd. Saturday the 2nd. Uh, men, women, children, uh, we, we need all the help we can get to, to make this go quickly and as painlessly as is possible. So uh, if you're able, would you please let us know at the office? We would very much appreciate that. That's uh, Saturday, October 2nd. And while we're on the October calendar, on October the 10th, Sunday, uh, we are going to have our first uh, Bring a Friend Sunday here in our new location. And we want you to be thinking and praying even now, uh, who can you bring with you? Our goal is to fill this place that Sunday. And so that's October the 10th. Please put that on your calendar and start praying now uh, for that one or two or five or ten people that you can invite and bring with you. Uh, so... With that in mind, thank you. <clears throat> With that in mind, let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Four. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also, you also will appear with him in glory. This is nothing less than the voice of God and the words of God written down for us in sacred scripture. Let's pray together. Lord, would you please give us ears, ears to hear your voice today. Lord, it is true, as has been 
said already this morning that uh, we, we have come here today with a week behind us that has been challenging, difficult, distracting, uh, mixed with sad and sorrowful. Lord, I, I think of our brother Al and Yvette and then the loss of his mom. Lord, the, the grief, the pain, the, the transition from mom being there to not being there. Lord, these, these are things that are too real and too deep for words. We pray for our brother, our sister, and their family. We pray for all of us, whatever it is that we carry, whatever it is with which we are burdened, may it be that uh, in these next few moments, we will hear your voice and be touched by it. In Jesus' name, amen. I had the joy of... uh, That ought to cover it, guys. Um, I don't know why my voice is like this. It came on me while we were singing, and uh, so just pray it's not going away this time. Usually it goes away, so uh, pray that I'll uh, get through here. I, ha- I had the joy of being present for the birth of all six of our children, um, all natural. Uh, every one of them, Galen was amazing. I was a spectator. Uh, I... I I was going to say I was there firsthand, but no, she was there firsthand. I, I, was, I was a spectator to her firsthand, uh, but I was her coach. Uh, in the old Lamaze, how many uh, parents here did the Lamaze thing? Any, any? Okay, we did the old Lamaze thing, and uh, my job as a coach was as sensitively and carefully and cautiously as possible to encourage Gaylene when a contraction was coming on and she was in the middle of the pain to encourage her to focus on a what they called focal point. Some object or picture in the room, something or someone in the room, focus on that through the pain, and in focusing on that focal point, somehow or other there is the ability to, to endure the pain all the way to the joy of birth. My job was to coach, gently to encourage Galene, look at the focal point. Look at that object, look at that person, look at that picture, look at that reality that will give you strength in the moment. The Apostle Paul is telling us to do that. The Apostle Paul is coaching us here because life is labor, life is pain, life is temptation. Life includes all kinds of distractions and false teachings and soul-destroying cultural uh, contractions, if you will, and difficulties and all the rest. And, And Paul is saying, I want you to have focus. I want you to be looking at and fixating upon that which is most important. We need, Paul says, to focus above if we want to be faithful below. We need to focus above if we want to be faithful 
below. Now, in order to coach us in that way in verses 1 through 4 of Colossians 3, and for those that are new, uh, we are returning this morning to a series of messages through the book of Colossians. And so we've already preached chapters 1 and 2, and we come to chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 today. And in this call to us, this coaching, this spiritual coaching, Uh, Paul gives us direction on where to focus. And in doing that, he gives us an assumption, an an imperative, a reason, and a promise. An assumption, an imperative, a reason, and a promise. Let's start with the assumption. Verse 1 starts with the phrase, If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above. That if-then phrase uh, is describing an assumption. Something that Paul knows to be true. We need to understand. We've said this in a couple different points in previous messages. We need to realize that the word if in Scripture uh, very often is not if in an iffy sense, but if in a since sense. Paul is not saying, well, if perhaps, maybe, you have been raised with Christ. No, he is saying, since you have been raised with Christ. It's like me saying to many of you, if then you are a Philadelphia sports fan, you need to prepare for... I didn't say it. I just... You fill in the blank. I didn't fill in the, don't, no. Whatever you filled that blank in was born out of experience. (laughs) If then you are a Philadelphia sports fan, you see that's an assumption that I can make about many, most of you that are in this room today. Since then, you are a Philadelphia sports fan, then this. Paul is making an assumption here. He is not saying it's an iffy thing that we have been raised with Christ. He is saying it is a certain thing that we have been raised with Christ. He is making an assumption about these readers that they are in fact already raised in Christ. He is assuming, in other words, that everything that was stated in chapters 1 and 2 is true about them as disciples and followers of Christ. He is assuming, as chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 say, that they had placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And in doing that, had been promised the hope laid up for them in heaven. He is assuming in the teaching of verses 12 and 13 of chapter 1 that the Father had qualified them to share in the inheritance of the saints in light and had delivered them from the domain of darkness and transferred them into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. He is assuming that they were in Christ by faith and therefore because they were in Christ, they were in the heavenly places in Christ, far above all things 
Kings chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. He is assuming that they had received Christ Jesus the Lord. Chapter 2 and verse 6, he is assuming that in Christ they had been forgiven, that their old life had been had died and was buried. Chapter 2, 11 and 12. He is assuming that they had been born again into a new life through the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2 and verse 12. He is assuming that all of their guilt and all of the demands and penalty of God's broken law had been taken and nailed to the cross of Christ. Chapter 2, 13 and 14. He is assuming that all invisible demons and devils and powers and rulers that would seek to defeat them had already been destroyed through the power of the risen Christ. Paul is assuming all of that. Since then, you have been raised with Christ in all of these ways. Seek the things that are above. Brothers and sisters, it is vital that we understand the order here. If we say, seek the things that are above so that you can be raised with Christ, that message leads to despair. Because brothers and sisters, who among us would dare to say that we can live in such a way and seek the things that are above in such a way that we can earn or merit God raising us up with Christ on the final day. None of us who has any ounce of spiritual integrity would dare to say, I have done this, I have sought things above, I have done the right things, and so because of that, I deserve to be raised up with Christ. No, never, never. On the other hand, since I have been raised up with Christ, since it is a done deal, since it is redemption accomplished, since I am in fact already raised up with Christ, then out of that position of salvation and relationship and security, I can now seek the things that are above. It's the difference. It's the difference between religion man-made, do this and this and this and that, and maybe you'll get to heaven. And religion, so to speak, gospel, Jesus produced. He has done it all. He has done it all. And in Him we are raised into everlasting life. Since that is true, let us now seek the things that are above. The assumption, we as believers are already raised in Christ. Now the imperative, which is actually a double or two-sided imperative. Verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, since then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are above on earth. Notice the double imperative. Seek and set your mind. These are, these are two different things, though related. 
What he is saying is, first of all, seek those things that are above, and then once you have found them, and once you have seen them, now set your mind there. Look for the things that are above, and then fixate your eye and your thought and your minds upon the things that are above. What Paul is calling for here is intentional, deliberate focus. Set your minds on things above. Christian growth almost always runs through the mind rather than through the feelings or the emotions. Spiritual growth will require of all of us a day-by-day focus, a deliberate training and fixating of our minds on the things that matter most, the things that are above, the, the things that will transform our lives, not on things that are here below. It matters what we seek and what we set our minds on. And I don't... I believe, brothers and sisters that we as Christians are not adequately aware of the fact that we live in a generation and culture that is constantly, and I mean constantly, trying to reprogram our minds. Everything we show, every, everything is trying to program and reprogram us in ways that are consistent with how the world thinks. And I don't think we realize that. I think we go through most days and weeks in our life oblivious to the fact that there are 10 million signals being sent in our direction to cultivate in us something other than the mind of Christ. And if we are not aware of that, then we are going to fall victim to it and we are not going to be living the life that God has called us this is what Paul means in Romans 12. You know the text, but it must, it must be a text. It ought to be a text that is well known, if not memorized, by all of us. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present yourself as a living sacrifice, as holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We must be in a constant mind renewal mindset and heart set. Every day, all day long, Lord, keep my mind where it needs to be. Lord, give me eyes to see and seek the things that are above. And then to set my mind, to rivet my mind, to secure my mind, to keep my mind on those things. This is the path to Christian faithfulness and growth. So Paul, what do you mean? What do you mean when you say set your mind not on things of earth? What are we not to set our minds on? I think Paul would say, I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly. That is, since you have 
been raised with Christ, put to death what is earthly in you. What is earthly? What are the things of earth? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Paul is saying, do not seek and set your mind on these things. We're going to unpack this section and the next section in the next couple of weeks. But for now, just, just let's just do a quick overview. What is it that we are not to set our minds on? What is the earthly junk that we are to clear out of our minds? He says, put sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire to death. That is, any sexual activity outside of a covenanted marriage relationship between a man and a woman must be put to death. Put covetousness, which is idolatry, to death. That's greed, a thirst for more, a love of money and what money buys. Put all of these things to death. Anger, wrath, and malice. When we wish or 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 enjoy harm when it comes to others. We must put away slander and obscene talk and we must stop lying to each other. These are the things that Paul says, we must not set our minds on these things. We must loose our minds from these things. We must look above rather than look below. But I think you know, right, that... It's pretty hard to just say no to these things. I don't know how many of you are old enough for the old just say no advertisement with reference to drugs. Just say no. That's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. Just say no. You see, the, the best way, of course, as you know, the best way to overcome and to reject the bad is to focus on the good. It's not enough just to say no to these things, putting them to death. We must say yes to Christ. We must say yes to what is holy and good. We must, in Paul's word, words, seek and set our minds on things above. The best way to overcome the things of earth is to set your heart and your mind on things above. If I tell you to think about the number eight, think about the no- go ahead, think about the number eight. You thinking about it? All right, stop thinking about the number eight. Pretty hard to do, isn't it? The only way you can stop thinking about the number eight is to what? Start thinking about the number 122. Only God can think about two things at the same time. The reality is that to stop thinking about one thing, we must start thinking about another thing. 
to no longer have our hearts set on the earth. We must have our hearts set on heaven. Paul says, seek and set your mind on things above. Heaven. That place that will be our eternal home. Think about holiness. Think about perfection. Think about glory. Think above and beyond everything else. Think about Jesus who will be the ultimate prize and joy of our eternal lives. Set your mind on things above. And because... All that follows in Colossians is an unfolding of that. Paul, what do you mean by seeking the things that are above? Is, is he saying, I want you to be really heavenly minded. Just, just keep your heads in, heads in the cloud. No, um, somebody has said that that kind of heavenly mindedness is really absent mindedness. Uh. He's not just saying, get your heads in the clouds and stay there. No, he's saying, think about the things above in such a way that they come down to earth through your life. He's saying, I want you to think about heavenly things so that it will transform you here on earth. I want you to to follow this. I'm going to read a lengthy section here, beginning in verse 9 of Colossians 3. What, what are the things that are above? Well, here is what Paul says. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Just as a side note, that verse indicates that the cultural and ethnic makeup of the Colossian church, just like probably all the New Testament churches, was very diverse and, and, and included all different kinds of people, which means that what Paul is saying here is to be lived out in true multi-ethnic, multicultural church life. This is how we are to live together, even with all of our differences. This is what it means. Back to verse 10, you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the Word of Christ 
dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, seeking psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which I, is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each other. These are the things that are above. Love and peace and unity and wisdom and letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly so that we can sing spiritual songs, bearing with one another, being patient toward one another, being kind to each other, being humble in all things. These are the things that are above. And Paul is saying, set your mind here. It's not enough just to look at what the world is saying to us and the earth is saying, and it's not enough just to say no to that. No, you need to refocus. Get your eye on the focal point and fix it there and keep it there. Set your mind on things above. Up in heaven, in the presence of God, perfection is there and glory is there and beauty is there and love is there. Now, so think on that, that it permeates you and it fills you and it overflows you and it flows through you to others so that in this way we actually bring a little bit of heaven down to earth. Set your mind on things above. So we have the assumption they had been raised with Christ, and so have we, if we have come to faith in Jesus. And there is this imperative, this double imperative, seek the things above, set your mind on things above. Quickly, notice the reason, the reason for the imperative Go back to chapter 3 and verse 2. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For, for, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is 
simply a, another way of restating the assumption that we looked at. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died. That is, the old you has died. The B.C. you has died. The former you has died. The you that was born into this world in sin, in rebellion against God, that you has died. It was crucified with Christ. It was buried with Christ. And now... Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And there, my friends, is a statement that will defy full explanation and understanding until we get to heaven. I don't know all that it means, but I do know this. Somehow, I'm standing here, 1001 Washington Avenue Prospect Park. I'm standing right here in front of you today, but in reality, I am hidden in Christ in God. In reality, right now, what you're seeing here is, is only the partial me. What you're seeing here, in one sense, is not the real me. The real me, the new me, the, the to-be-perfected me is in Christ and in God and in the presence of God. And if you're a Christian, uh, you're, you're not really here. No. You're there. And wherever you are, you are hidden in Christ, in God. There is way, in my judgment, way too much thought given these days to our own identity, our own self. Brothers and sisters, the text saying to us, we need to lose our identity in Jesus. It doesn't mean stop being who you are, but it just means make sure that you never see who you are apart from being hidden in Christ. That no matter who you are and what you do and what you look like, the real you is in Jesus. And in Him, the old you has died and a new you has been raised. I don't know all that that means. But I do know that it's amazing. And it may take all of eternity for us to grasp fully what it means. But Paul says that we are to seek and set our minds on things above, not on earth, because for we have died and our life is now hidden in Christ. He is saying, this is your true identity. You're in Christ and Christ is in the heavenly places. And, and so if you're going to be consistent with who you really are, then you need to set your mind on things above. When you set your mind on the earth, you are denying who you are. That's Paul's reasoning here. Set your mind on things above for... You have died, and your life is now hidden in Christ. Now let's finish up with the promise. The promise. Verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. When Christ who is your life appears, then you, the real you, the new you, the eternal you, 
will also appear with him in glory. There's two things to notice here. Number one, he is going to appear. He is going to appear. Oh Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh my soul. Oh, this is this is our great hope. This is the certain hope of every child of God. If you're not a believer here, you need to know. You need to know that Jesus Christ, who came once, is coming again. And the second time, everybody's going to know who He is. He is going to come as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And He's going to come to, to destroy the world as it now is and remake it into the new heavens and the new earth where, where heaven will touch down forever on earth and all things will be made new. Christ is going to appear again. He is going to come with power and great glory. This He is coming again. He is coming again. If you're not a Christian, you need to know this. If you are a Christian, you need to know it again. Because there is no way to endure the contractions and distractions of labor on planet earth unless you know that a better day is coming. And unless you know that Jesus is coming and we are going to see Him with these eyes. With these eyes. We must notice that He is coming. And we must notice who is going to be with Him when He does come. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also <laughs> will appear with Him in glory. When He appears, so will we. And it will be in glory. That's not talking there about Jesus' glory alone. It's talking about Jesus' glory shared with us. We are going to be glorious. We are going to appear with Him. You see, who we are and what we are now is hidden and it's obscured. But it won't be on that day. Many of you would know the text 1 John 3. 1 John 3, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. You are a child of God right now, right here. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has yet, not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself as He is pure. What John is saying there is this. The world doesn't know who we are. The world doesn't know the reality. You and I look to the world like we're a bunch of creepy, crawly, furry, fuzzy, 
caterpillars. The world does not know that inside the caterpillar there is a butterfly waiting to emerge. The world looks at us and thinks, well, at best, you're a teeny tiny bud on a plant. The world does not know that inside the bud there is a gorgeous rose. The world sees this guy standing up here as an aging and graying man. What the world does not see is that the day is coming when I am going to stand in majesty and glory in Jesus Christ. The world sees us and more and more the world despises us and looks down on us and marginalizes us and trivializes us and trashes us. What the world does not know is that the day is going to come when every single person in this room and around the world who loves Jesus Christ is going to be crowned with glory and majesty. That day is coming. Not only will we see Him, not only will He appear, but we will appear with Him in glory. And Paul is saying, Paul is saying, if all of this is true, then why do you have your mind stuck on planet Earth? If all of this is true, and it is, then seek the things that are above Love and joy and peace and mercy and kindness and grace and humility. Seek the things that are above. Those things that everybody in heaven is now doing and thinking and how they're acting. Seek those things and bring them down to earth in your life and mine. If this grand vision is not yours, you who are sitting here or listening to me uh, via the live stream. If, if you don't know anything about this grand vision, this glorious future, uh, we want to invite you to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And every one of these promises will be yours. Please don't leave here today without making sure to talk to somebody and asking the question, how can I be sure that that's for me? Don't leave here without asking that question. There's a hundred people here who would love to answer that question for you. Ask it so that you can walk out of here a transformed human being. You came in dead in sin, leave alive in Jesus. You came in a child of wrath and hell, leaving a child of heaven in glory. You came in earthbound and you're leaving heaven destined. Don't leave here unchanged. And child of God, having been raised with Christ, let us seek the things that are above and set our minds on them. Let's pray. This, O oh Lord, is life as You call us to it. Would You please, O oh Lord, renew us so that we will seek the right things and think about the right things 
and pursue the right things. And then set our minds and our wills upon those right things. Oh Lord, we we ask it because we long, we long to be more like Christ who is seated in the heavenly places. Help us, Lord, that our lives, our character, our longings will conform to our standing, our status as citizens of heaven. Granted, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are new to us and have noticed applause at different points throughout the worship, we'd want you to know that we're not applauding the people. Um, We're applauding the Savior uh, who has blessed us. Um, I'm not worth applauding, but Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4 is worth applauding. This is the promise of our God and our Savior. To Him be glory forever and ever and ever. May it be that God's grace will be upon us. May it be that God will give us strength. Give us strength to take our eyes off of the things that are earthly and set our minds on things above. And may it be, O Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may it be that your protection, your keeping, your preserving and sanctifying grace will be upon us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, don't let your Sunday experience be over now. Um, Hang around. Enjoy fellowship as long as you can. Uh, enjoy one another, encourage each other, strengthen each other. Do the one another's as best you can in the time that comes. God bless you. God be with you till we meet again. Amen.